Zoom is taking over. It's that literally- was weird as hell. Snappy <laughs> clicking what you're saying on your computer. Like, Give me your social security number. It's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the standby for places green room. Welcome to In the Green Room. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of In the Green Room. I am your host, Margie Zarcone, and I am joined today by Enrique Whaley, who has written the unbelievable Lorana. Enrique, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. For everyone listening at home or wherever you are, I had the pleasure of being in Lorana as the daughter. And you said something when we first started reading through that it was, that Lorana was almost like your answer to Medea, what would have happened after, mm -hmm. um, emotionally for all parties involved. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to hear your thoughts a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, honestly, uh, Lorana really uh, was birthed from Medea, from my love of Medea. And I, I know Medea is portrayed or always talked about as this like evil person who committed this horrendous crime that she murdered her kids, which she does in the play because Jason is going to another younger woman. And he like has the audacity to tell her it's for your own good because her family's rich and now you'll be provided with tons of money and support. And I, I have to, and, and he literally says it in the play, like I have to do the hard part. I have to break up with you and go to this younger, prettier woman. And like, and she's like significantly younger than Jason and her, like, just like, it's disgusting. It's also yeah. like the ultimate, like if you took It's Not You, It's Me and cranked it up to a million, that's yeah. what it would be. Yeah, and you know, I know that like, you know, when I was like studying theater and when I was in school, you know, we talk about the Greek tragedies and I've always had like a love for the Greek tragedies. Something in them, the poetry, the, the darkness in them, I really loved them. And I was always somewhat drawn to Medea and the, the thing about Medea, that's gonna sound a little twisted, like I really loved her, like as a person. And not to say my own mother would kill me, but she actually did remind me of my mom, of like this passion and this desire and love that she has for her kids. She really like loves her kids. And so, and you know, and, and of course she does the deed that's very horrendous. I'm not, I'm saying that's a good thing, obviously not, but. I loved Medea. I loved her and I thought she was a really strong person. And I was always thinking like, man, what ha would happen in my head? I was, I was wondering what would happen if Medea killed her kids, Jason did not go back with his woman, but he wanted to stay with Medea and tried to make this relationship work. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about that a lot and I was like, you know what? That's like an interesting story in my head that started brewing and I decided that I really wanted to explore that and I really wanted to explore like the pain that Medea really felt for like how to do that to somebody because what the thing is most interesting is that she doesn't hate her kids she absolutely loves them their whole life and I I thought like I wanted to see what would happen if these two tried to forgive that 
And then ultimately, I really wanted to explore what, you know, the toxic masculinity of Jason and in our world that we live in and how, um, how I think, I think, we, I mean, absolutely, we do live in a world where it's like, okay, for men to like, really control and belittle and tell women what to do. And I really wanted to like explore that because ultimately, I think, well, for me, as a writer, I really want to uh, make theater. That's not easy. That's actually kind of hard. And I, I am all about like just challenging the audience and have them think about these uncomfortable things because I think theater is such a safe place. Because I think the ultimate goal is at the end of the day is like tell everyone, like hopefully everyone can realize that we're all different, but we're all equal and we all have love in us. I mean, hopefully we do, but, um, but like I, and, and that's, and, and we can find like a, a, a space where we can safely explore um, these kind of thoughts and really think about these things. I'm interested in the choice to change the actual homicide mm -hmm. into miscarriages and mm -hmm. to have it happen before the play begins. What was the what was the reasoning behind that? Well, because I decided that you know I really thought about a lot about Jason, about his his justifying doing this leaving because in the play it's not like he does not love Medea mm -hmm. he absolutely does love her and is very attracted to her so it's not like an issue but he just sees this younger woman who's uh he thinks is prettier and has uh has come from like royalty and family and so he decides just to go with that because it'll be better for his kids and it'll be better for Medea mm -hmm. and so I really wanted to think I really wanted to dive into this like manipulation and so I realized, like, I wanted to explore what would it be like, I guess, in a way, gaslighting someone into thinking they killed their own kids. And I really wanted to explore, like, I guess I kind of wanted to also explore a bit of mental health, too, of, like, the idea of thinking black, uh, black and white thinking. You know, right. it's either like amazing or very, very horrible. And I think both the characters very much kind of like suffer a little bit from black and white thinking. And so, because they talk about, because they're very much the characters, you know, Jean and Lorana, they're very much um, kids themselves. When they describe their love and they describe their passion for each other, they're very much kind of like childlike. And so I really wanted to explore uh, portraying a man who is seems to be on the surface very loving, very understanding, very patient, but who is not actually, and not over, like overly hit you in the head how deceiving he is, but quite make it more like in real life when you see these individuals who are very manipulating, you don't really can see it so clearly, especially the partner can't, and so I really wanted to explore. So it's the scariest part of falling in love. Truly. Yes, it, it really is. And that's why Jean doesn't have those moments. I mean, he has moments are violent, but they're so fast. And then you, he starts getting, he starts getting very emotional. He starts like crying. He's like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean, but I really wanted to like, and then, you know, and, and, and if people don't always catch, he's like, he's such a manipulator, then maybe that's kind of the point because how good he is at it. Because in actuality, Jean doesn't see himself that way. 
And so I really wanted to explore the fact, okay, she didn't kill her kids. She actually just had miscarriages. And then I really wanted to explore the stigma of, you know, having miscarriages that women have to go through. I grew up in Virginia and South. And so miscarriages are, I believe, viewed very differently down there. And so I really wanted to- I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just like, a, it's, it's, you know, old time, you know, it's, I don't know how you say it. And it's more like conservative way of thinking, you know, and, you know, a lot of men in the South believe that they can, can tell women what to do with their, with their bodies. And so I really wanted to explore, but not overtly say it out loud, just have little moments and hints of that in the play. And so I really wanted to explore what it's like to be blamed constantly and then you start believing the blame yourself that it is your own fault when in actuality it isn't it's just very natural what happened and so i wanted but i also wanted to show it in a way it's natural and it's and it's a tragedy it's uh, it is i wish miscarriages were talked about more just you know i i have a mother you know and and family members who had that and you know i feel like they always feel really bad, like it's their fault or something. Yeah. And so I see that a lot. And I wish I wish it was something more of the line of like, no, it's it's very normal. Like, I'm really sorry that pain happened to you. And that's but what's so tragic about it. It's it it's I think I mean I've never I've never had a miscarriage, but I, I can only think that it would feel like your your body's failing you or rejecting you in some way. And the thing is is like I'm not a woman, so I could never have a miscarriage. No one can understand that pain and realize it. But what I, when I wrote this play, I wanted to have the perspective of what society has taught me specifically what miscarriages are. It's funny because when I wrote Lorana in some of her speeches, you know, about like pain and the, the loss, you know, I, I made sure that she doesn't talk about like, you know, like, oh, I, my, you know, you know, like her, like grieving over the fact that her body is failing her because I would never understand that. Instead, I wanted her to go through the process of being gaslighted and constantly be like, look, I did it because this is that, you know, and for her constantly, I, she like just owns up to it and she believes the lie. Like I murdered them because of this and that. And so I really wanted to just talk about that and what it, what, what's it like to believe a lie? And that's why, and, uh, and that's why I think Lorana also explores a lot of mental illness too, because these two characters are very much not healthy. They're not in a healthy relationship. They're constantly talking about how great everything is when they're together, and they constantly talk about how ha like hateful they have towards each other. Like at one moment, Lorana's like they're dancing and they're so in love, and then she pulls like you hate me, and he's like wait what? And it's like it'll be like you love me, you hate me, and personally, I know what that's like in my own head thinking black and white. And so I really wanted to, I guess it was a way for me to explore that and try to understand those thoughts. And it's so funny. It's like, you're right. She never says anything about her body. It's, but that is all like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, she said that. She absolutely said that. But, but that's just what I'm putting on it. As an audience member, I love stories that begin in the middle, you know, so the beginning of the scene is Lorana singing and Jean walks into the room and he says, the, uh, there are two red baskets in the snow and you're already there, in. And I love when stories begin in the middle. 
and you have as an audience member you have to catch up and it's funny too because Lorana is probably my most like coherent play I remember you I remember you saying this (laughs) yes because I'm very much so the reason why I like write plays because I'm an actor first I believe I do and I start writing plays because I number one love absurd absurdity I love the absurd and I love the movement that Sarah Kane created called Theater in Your Face in the UK, which is like very intense, dark theater. And I just wanted to start writing like kind of like plays of the absurd and surrealism world for actors of color, because that's some, that's like a platform I wanted to start like going and just doing. And, and that's, and so when I like wanted to write Lorana, I remember just thinking like, okay, I'm gonna keep it like still absurd, but because I had a guideline of Medea, it kind of had more of a, like a structure, I guess. And, and because it t- sometimes I'll make, because since I'm so influenced by Carol Churchill, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you ever read Carol Churchill. Yes, yes. Some of her plays are just like, wait. What is happening? Yeah. yeah, what the literally fuck is happening? And <laughs> that, that, that feeling excites me. Why does it excite you? Because life doesn't make sense. And life is so absurd. And when I see something abstract and strange and absurd, but with meaning and very deep, deep meaning, like the actors, the director, and the playwright know everything about this thing. They're in, they're involved, and they're so engaged. But maybe the audience has... It's so real life to me. It's so real. And it, it's like, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of poetry. So I, I like reading a lot of poetry. And I think one thing about some more abstract poems is that sometimes you're reading, you're like, I have no idea what that meant. And then when you think about it and you marinate it on it for a while, you come up with this certain meaning thing that, oh, it actually reminds me of this moment in my life and this moment, but someone else can read it and then they can have a completely different meaning. And I find that so, so beautiful because again, it reminds us that we're all so different, but we're all so like beautiful and equal. And sometimes when I read Ed the Walsh, I read and I'm like, I get frust- I'll get frustrated, right? I'm reading Ed the Walsh, I'm like, man, I don't understand. But then I realized, okay, Enrique, it doesn't matter because I was fortunate enough to ask Ed the Walsh a question when I went to go see this play called Bali Turk in Brooklyn. And because of this quote he said to me, I was like, because of that quote, I want to write. And he said, I'm more interested in writing plays that are more atmospherically driven than narratively driven. And when he said that to me, it was like, oh my God, like a chain was unlocked. And I was ready to be like, I'm ready to go into whatever can just whatever roller coaster I can get on because in acting it was like, you just gotta get on the roller coaster and then you go with your was scene it, partner. Was it one of those moments where someone vocalizes exactly what you want to do and you didn't realize that's exactly what you want to do and then someone says it and you're like that's what I want to that's it yeah that's what yes. I've been trying to do. One hundred percent. It was that very moment and what makes it all come together. I remember as an obsessed young actor looking up other actors who I'm obsessed with and reading every article, interview they ever do. And it kind of, it's a weird way the universe kind of brings it all together for me personally. It was Mm -hmm. like, 
all these, and then, you know, um, Killian Murphy's the same way. He loves the absurd theater with Ed, because he works, he collaborates with Edna Walsh all the time. Right. And I was just like, man, these actors who I love also love the absurd and strange and surreal storytelling that I absolutely, they not, you might, their whole career might not say they're in that stuff because they're, you know, they're getting, they're Hollywood actors, they're doing movies and TV shows, but they absolutely have a huge passion for it. And honestly, what that does for me, it just makes me feel not alone. And that, those, that feeling is, I think is so precious because I think a lot of us feel alone. All we want is to feel seen and to feel yeah. heard. And so when I hear Frank Ocean, for instance, I'm like, fuck, this is another person who gets because he's just expressing himself in his own specific way. And he's not worried about you understanding everything. He just wants to convey an emotion and a story in you. And, that's and, like, and maybe and maybe even put your own experience into it. And everyone leaves the theater thinking one person thinks that this is what happened between the two characters and the other person thinks the opposite because we're two different people and we're going to bring our own experiences and throw them into whether whether we try to or not we are going to do that 100 percent. when i read or I, I see a will eno play i go back home and i just can't stop thinking about it and it continually lives in my head and i think that's something very beautiful about theater in our rehearsal process i remember you saying I, I was asking questions about specific words. Yeah. And you basically said to me, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, they, it's open so that you can put your own meaning behind it, and then we all get on the same page with it. But with the absurd text, it's so freeing. One thing I'll say to that, and this is why I love writing that way, is for instance, because he's like working with you, right? We have scenes together, me and you in this play. What was the most exciting thing to, as a writer and seeing you take my text was watching your impulses. But see, you would question them because you're like, oh, this is absurd. I'm, sure, I'm trying to understand it. But when you followed your impulses, it was exactly what it was. It's maybe not what I intended, but it was perfect because watching your impulses and going with your subconsciousness of the dialogue and the story, you know the story, you don't, may not understand what's happening, but as an actor, you're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna say the words and it's gonna take me somewhere. That's the most exciting thing. And so why I like writing that way and working with other actors, like first I wanna work with an actor who I really love and wanna understand because acting is intimate and we're all collaborating and we become like a family eventually, right? And we start yes. working together and because when you can get lost in a scene, in a dialogue, and you're just in the moment, it doesn't matter. It makes it, it all means. worth it. It, it really makes it makes all worth it. All worth it. it. it and I hope that's like the writing. I, I'm not saying I'm like this grandmaster writer who can do those things, but that's something I kind of want. If I can create just one moment in my play for those actors to do that, that's just, that makes my whole I, I can honestly say there were more than one but there were lots of moments where that happened lots and lots of moments and it makes the rehearsal so exciting yeah because this is what i realized i like so i played high school and college football nothing big in college just division three like whatever and so being in a team environment and being an athlete for pretty much 
from high school to college and then going into acting, I always was had this team mentality and I've always had this sense of collaborating. I feel like I'm very lucky to have that because I'm more interested in collaborating. I'm more interested in hearing other people's thoughts. So if I decide I'm gonna be with this team, like with you and, and with Will, Gottman and, and Brady, I'm gonna be on this boat. Either we're gonna sail wonderfully or we're gonna sink. I really don't care. All I care is that we're together. We sail wonderfully or we sink together. That's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, we can't control how, how good it's gonna be. But what I want is for us all to work together. You know, and that's one great thing about Grady, you know, he really, how he directs is all about asking questions. He's like, why do you think this person says this? Instead of telling us like, oh, I wanna see this and that. It's all about like, why do you, why, he always asks us questions. And that's what I really love about Grady. And Grady has this understanding of the absurd in my own writing and stuff, because you know, this is not the first time me and Grady work together. Yeah. And um, he has a sense of understanding, like Enrique, his word, he'll like say to me, like he'll say, his words is sometimes it doesn't matter. It's all about like finding the truth. And he helps us navigate through that, whether I give, you know, you a muddy scene or I give you more clear scene. It's all about just trying to navigate. And then we're all like, in a way, as actors, like one person is, you know, one person extends your hand out and you're like, okay, can I find your hand? Can I grab it? And can we be together? And I think that struggle, whether we do or don't, is beautiful. And I think that's what's really entertaining. It's, they shared it with us. And that's a true gift. Because you're getting a peek into their like, sounds cheesy, but their soul. And you're getting a peek into them. And that to me is a real gift because I don't need to understand. I don't need, to, I don't need to, it to make completely sense. Do you I think that's what we do with Theater of the Absurd? Um, do you think we're peeking in on something that yeah, two people do, have uh, created and it makes sense to them even though we might not totally get the words? Yeah, because I would say, honestly, yeah. I wanna go back to something you said earlier um, about how we, we view Medea as the villain and how sometimes people can listen to Jason and the manipulation that Jason's inflicting on Medea and think that Jason's actually the victim. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that it shows that they're, they're not really understanding what's, what's going on. Well, I think it goes back to this, you know, what society has portrayed of women is like a strong, independent woman is always portrayed as a villain. And so it's weird to me. Or as a freak. Or as or some freak pariah of society. Or yeah, you know, or she's like some sensual, out of control character. Or she's punished me, for behaving that way. Yes, and to me that's so, and you know, it's, it's interesting to me because I was raised by women and independent single women. And the fact that women like who want to break up with the man is always the villain and is who is hated. Is My so ex is crazy. The ex right. is always crazy. It, it, it's so absurd to me. So what I wanted to do when I wrote Lorana, I was like, I'm going to write John like he's like this guy who's just trying to help Lorana. 
And I wanted to see if people would really get like, oh my God, he's constantly like controlling her and trying to make her his, make her his little puppet. And you know, I remember when I was going through different drafts of it, I would make him too nice. And you know, I had a great friend of mine who actually scored it, Logan, who scored the play. He'd be like, you're not sharing enough. I know what you're doing, but right now you need to go, you gotta reveal a little bit more and a little bit more. Let's not go too much. And so when I was going through revisions of the script, and I really wanted to see if like audience will like take, and that's why I added that scene where like he punches her because I'm like, he's gotta have something. Like, yeah. he's gonna have a moment of like, but then he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, you did this to me and you did this and this and that. And it, and I think as an actor who got to play John, like when I got to play, it's also fun as an actor because I think the way I wrote him is like, it's, you don't have to judge him. You can just easily dive into his thinking, like, it's not fair, you know, he's just sad, he misses his kids, and he's trying to make this relationship still work, and he really loves it, because that's what his objective is, like, I'm gonna heal Lorana, I'm gonna make her feel better, but he's not. And I think that's the challenge of, like, how you can portray that and then tell that, and with the circumstances of the script and the words that you have. And I think when I wrote Lorana, that's exactly what I was trying to understand because I, and I'm not trying to be like, I'm not a perfect man. Believe me, I'm from Virginia. Like I'm not a perfect man, but there are certain little aspects I don't understand, like wanting and controlling a woman. Like I just, it's not something I understand fully. And um, maybe it's because I was raised by women. I don't know who are very strong women, but it's something. And so it was my attempt to also understand that concept. I mean, it comes from a deep-seated insecurity. Some someone who feels the need to control someone else. It's coming from a deep. It's different kind of deep of insecurity, though. I would see because I I would say I would classify myself as super someone super insecure. Like, oh yeah, but this is a specific type yeah. of insecurity. Like yeah. it, you must really. It must be so deep that the. Uh, the only well it's, it's like when you you meet people who are so miserable and they just want to bring everyone else down around them in that aspect when i'm writing the kids right they seem kind of nice in the beginning and then they have these certain kind of traits like the son he's like oh mom i could do this for you you know this and that but then he gets a little fight and then he has that one big monologue about the bite he like beats a woman <gasps> it's very it's very nasty and it's like i'm i wanted to have like there's a part of jean in that that's very open and then at the same time with the daughter where she has this kind of like could she can control the situation because lorana is like this kind of like strong person but is lost in this manipulation but she kind of represents like oh i'm like the part that i can take control but then she eventually starts turning and attacking the dad mm -hmm. and she's because she's understanding but not fully and I really wanted to try to like play their worst and best parts of them through the children. And I don't know if like that was, it, it may not be very clear, but that's something I was trying to explore. And that's why I really enjoy those second scenes with the son and the mother and the daughter and the dad, because it's like, they're becoming like themselves, talking to themselves, but they're not, and it's all strange and what. It was a very interesting mirror mirror image thing but not like a distorted mirror image situation mm -hmm. 
that was happening. I, I was curious, and I meant to ask this at our first read through, and I totally forgot. Is Jean, did you choose the name Jean from Miss Julie? No, actually, I just picked Jean because it's close to Jason, and I'm a big uh, Jean Luc Godard uh, fan. Uh, he's a filmmaker from France. And so I was just like, I'm just trying to be cool. And mm -hmm. the reason why I named the play, well, Lorana is a name I just made up and it's like a name that I made up that sounded somewhat Latin in my head because I always wanted like a Latin person to play Lorana. And um, I, uh, because just from my own experience of being Latin and I named the play Lorana because of Medea. So, yeah, but I didn't want to pick an N name because I was scared it would be too obvious. Because again, it's me being cryptic. And this is my, this is my fault. I mean, this is my, uh, like, like something I could work on. I'm too, I'm too cryptic. My next question was gonna be, what does Lorana mean? It sounds, you know. Um, it sounds like a real name. No, it's not. I mean, and maybe it, I'm sure maybe it is. Some, somebody has, I mean, cause like, who am I to say I make a name up, right? But I just wanted, um, again, being cryptic, I wanted a very Latin name, but not obviously like, you know, like Maria or, you know, I just something, I wanted something, something, because I initially was going to name her Maria because Maria is my mother's name. Maria is close to Medea. And I was like, cool. And then I realized like, no, that's too on the nose. Two on I the wanna... nose, and also, when I hear Maria, I th there are a lot of characters that I attach with Maria mm. already. I think of the Virgin Mary, I think of Maria from West Side Story, I think of mm. Maria von Trapp, I think of, uh, there are so many. It's too, it's used too much. Theatrical and, Marias. And, and honestly, I, I always wanted to write this play, and Carmen, we, you know, I've known Carmen for years now. She jokingly was like, you know, Enrique, you should write a play for us. I was like, <laughs> you're gonna eat those words because I'm going to do it. And I think like two years later, I wrote this play. And when I came up with the name Lorana, I just sent it to her. And I was like, hey, read that word out loud to me. She's like, Lorana. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's the name. That's there it, it is. And I was like, I just made that up and it sounds wonderful coming from her. So I was like, yep, there it is. And it just kind of, I think now it just sticks, so. Well, and it sounds like, you know, I'm glad you didn't use Maria because there are so many theatrical Marias, but mm -hmm. it, have, having a name that may or may not be made up, mm -hmm. but not a common name, like Medea is not a common, I've never heard anyone named Medea. Yeah. Almost makes them exist in their own universe it it almost mythologizes this character 100%, in a way because and that's what greek tragedy tragedies are and they're mythologies and 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 that's what i wanted to create this bigger than life character in Lorana. i really did because ultimately as the writer i love Lorana. i think she's like she's powerful she's strong you know she has she has she she's trying to survive in a very toxic environment and to me, that's really sad and beautiful. I would like to close with this question. Do you love Jean? Um, I don't love him, but I understand him. I really do. I don't hate him, but I totally understand him. 
uh, and I understand what he's trying to do, regardless if it's right or wrong. Um, I know he does very bad things as a human being, as a man. I know he does very bad things as a man who I'm formed of from my what my mother would think of me, you know, if she like saw me now and be like, I would hope that she's very proud because I would portray myself as this person who I embody from her. But when I look at Jean and I play him and I write him, I don't hate him, but I understand him. Enrique, we are honored. It, it's a privilege to produce your work and it was a, a personal pleasure to have the chance to be in it. Thank you so much for joining me in the green room. If you haven't already, please, please, I implore you, check out Lorana by Enrique. Thanks for stopping by. Enrique Gueli, another star. My memoirs. <laughs> this is the title of my memoirs. <laughs> A collection of essays and complaints. <laughs> <laughs> if I do that, please, someone <laughs> shut me down. Shut me down. <laughs>